All right, well, thank you for the opportunity to, to be with you today and uh, enjoyed worshiping with you in the last time. Uh, as Chris mentioned, uh, what we're going to be talking about is, uh, is just a, a kind of a brief synopsis, an overview of what we spent a lot of time on in advance with your shepherds and then uh, with their, the shepherds and wives on, on uh, Friday night for a few hours and then with a group of folks for uh, three or four hours yesterday. And so um, I, I, I wish I could uh, to spend the time with all of you in all those ways, but I know that um, they will be uh, able to explain and, and to uh, bring clarity. Clarity's good. Ambiguity is our enemy. Clarity is our friend. And so we, we always keep, need to keep working toward clarity. That's an important aspect of, of what it means to do life together. In, in the body of Christ. I am Doug Peters with the uh, uh, organization called Interim Ministry Partners. We're a part of, we're a part of Hope Network Ministries. Some of you know Lynn Anderson. Lynn Anderson started Hope Network Ministries. I understand from, from one of my brothers here who's an elder emeritus at this church that, that Lynn was really helpful. They got five elders together and Lynn stayed in your home. Lynn's one of my mentors and heroes. He started Hope Network Ministries, we're under the umbrella Interim Ministry Partners of, of Hope Network Ministries. Uh, pray for Lynn. He's, he's, uh, his health is not, not great. He's on oxygen. But Lynn and Carolyn live in San Antonio. And uh, his, his son, John Anderson, who's a, a Christian counselor there in San Antonio, is one of my, my good friends. And he's, he's one of those guys that I can pick up the phone and say, hey, John, can you talk? In the same way with Lynn. And so I know that Lynn's blessed this church. And, and through Lynn, I stand on Lynn's shoulders and, uh, and, and work uh, work in the same spirit and attitude that Lynn had. Hope Network Ministries does a lot of things, a lot of consulting with churches. You've had John Mulliken in here to work with you before in times past. Uh, you've had uh, other folks with uh, Hope Network Ministries or, or interim ministry partners. In fact, uh, David Fleer, who's going to be doing the interim preaching here, has spoken at this church before, <clears throat> professor over at Lipscomb. Um, and so um, I, I just... Uh, I want to thank you for uh, the long history of participation we've had with Fourth Avenue, uh, way back to when there were five elders there, and and Lynn was working with your shepherds, and even till today. Now, I want to I want to make a couple of things really really clear. Uh, we're not picking your preacher for you. We don't do that. We're not a headhunter service or anything like that. What we do is we consult with and coach with churches that are in in the process of interim seasons. And so you called, you say, uh, we're going to be looking for a preacher, and we've talked to several other places and heard good things about you, and we understand you do a discernment process, and you work with us, you allow us to pick the preacher, but you coach us on how to go about doing some things so we can bring clarity to our mission and vision. Uh, we, we say things like, you need to know who you are and who God's called you to be before you find out who you need to partner with you. We're not going to tell you who you are or who God's calling you to be. We're going to coach you in a prayerful process for uh, the spiritual discernment for that to be determined more fully. Your shepherds were very clear to me that, that for over a year they've been really wanting to, to reinvest in what it means to be the people of God at 4th Avenue, to look at your community, to look at yourselves, to look beyond yourselves into the community and to, to seek God's will, to discern the Spirit of God about what the next season of ministry might look like. And so uh, we're just helpful in that way. That's, that's what we like to do with churches. What we find is that interim season is an opportunity for churches to take the time to do that. 
You see, it's, it's really hard sometimes, uh, it, it requires great intentionality to work on the airplane while you're flying it, right? And, and so, so you, you kind of have to get to a season where you can say, okay, instead of just holding our nose and running through this next few weeks or months as fast as we can, we're going to uh, mature up and learn what it means to be a non-anxious presence. And we're going to seek the will and the spirit of God, maybe like we've never done before. We're going to empower other leaders from among this congregation. They will be the ones leading this process. And while you'll have David here who's preaching about three times a month, um, he, he will be bringing sermons that are compatible with where your team is in the process. We're not leading this process. We hope the Spirit of God is through you. But your group is going to be leading. Nancy Boffman has been chosen to be, be a chairperson for this group and some other people. They may be adding to that team of folks. And uh, so I'm going to give in you know, the remaining time we have just kind of a quick overview of how that process uh, typically looks with most churches. But we want it to be contextual for you. It's your deal. We're not picking a preacher for you. Your search team will make a recommendation. Your elders will go all in on getting to develop a relationship. And, and your, your elders are the selection team, if you will. I have never picked a preacher for any church. And interim ministry partners has never picked a preacher for any church. We don't do that. We're not a headhunter service. We're about communal spiritual discernment and coaching churches during interim seasons so that they themselves, because you have to own this. See, I'm going to get on an airplane this afternoon. I'm flying back to Houston, Texas. David's going to move on and work with another church. He's in demand. There are churches lining up to say, hey, David, will you be our interim minister for a while? He's going to spend the time with you, and then he's going to move on to another church. He's not going to be your preacher. I'm not going to be your preacher. You're going to select one, though, and you'll be doing it. So I want to make that very, very clear. Sometimes people have misconceptions, and they assume things, and, and they don't really understand. And so I'm going to try to give a little bit of an overview. I'm just going to run through some slides here, uh, a little bit of introduction. I, I need to tell you that, that Churches of Christ have had some difficulties recently. We've been a declining group of people. Our footprint in a North America has been shrinking. Uh, those are some, uh, some, some things you can see there. Uh, these are Christian Chronicle uh, headlines. In 2012, 102,000 fewer people in the pews since 03. Frankly, that was, that was uh, underreported. It was more than that. In 2015, churches of Christ are in decline. U.S. culture to blame. Who are we going to blame, right? That's why we see a problem. We want to find out who, we, who do we blame. Uh, 2017, Christian universities feeling the pinch as churches of Christ shrink. I taught Bible ministry, uh, preaching leadership at Oklahoma Christian University, and, and the numbers of kids that come from churches of Christ in all of our Christian universities just seems to be going down. You can't make a living in a Christian university only with Church of Christ kids, right? So that number, which used to be maybe 70, 80% in years past, 90% a long time ago. Well, guess what? We're, you know, there, there's not as many. And you can guess and surmise, and I've studied that in detail and been a part of a committee at a Christian university to get the real scoop on that, but I'm not going to go into that today, but it's just the case. It, has, it is what it is. Um, 2018, can churches of Christ be saved? Well, that's a kind of an inflammatory headline, right? That gets our attention. All right. Um, a guy named Steve Gardner said, churches of Christ shrunk by an average of 980 adherents a month, every single month over the last 18 years. About five churches of Christ congregations dissolved every month. Okay, two organizations among us sprung up to help churches dissolve, at least two that I'm aware of. 
because there are proper ways to dissolve a nonprofit 501c3 organization in every state in the United States of America. There are legal ways and illegal ways, and we have a lot of churches that are they're closing, and how do you help them do that in a way that maybe takes their assets and puts it toward kingdom ministry? But we didn't used to have to have that issue because we didn't have a bunch of churches shutting down. We do now. It's the environment. It's the milieu uh, that we find ourselves in. All right. Um, last three years, from 15 to 18, COVID's kind of thrown everything. 2020 stats or who knows, you know, pandemic is, is tough. The last three years, a loss of 2,000 people a month or nine congregations a month have dissolved in the United States of America that had Church of Christ on the sign. And so I'm just telling you what it's like to be in a Church of Christ, have that heritage. Uh, maybe your heritage, maybe not be your heritage, but that's, that's kind of how it is. My dad's been a Church of Christ preacher and still is for over 50 years. He's 80 and still preaches twice a month at two little churches. They, they, he's an elder at a church in Wichita Falls, Texas, and they allow him uh, to, to teach his Bible class and, and sit in for most of worship, then go through a drive through at a subway, pick up a sandwich, and drive to two little churches every other week and preach. And they moved their services till after lunch just so my dad could go be their preacher. About 35, 40 people in each one. Dad's 80. Used to be six one, six one and a half. Now he's about five eight, and and his back is bad, and he's you know, but he's still preaching the word, and uh, and I'm so proud of him. Special, special man of God. Wish you could meet him now, as you will in heaven. It'd be special. Um, case study. Um, Stan Granberg, an elder up at uh, Southwest Church of Christ, Jonesboro, Arkansas, ran Kairos Church Planning Ministries, also works with Heritage 21, which helps churches fold up their tent, dissolve properly and legally. Uh, wrote in a, a research article in the Great Commission Journal, uh, and uh, he, he basically affirmed all those stats that I gave you previously. And then my buddy Tim Woodruff, who lives here in the Nashville area, uh, Jim Woodruff's son, um, he... he went through our statistics that we had done in working with churches over the last decade uh, about decline in Churches of Christ. And that's, that's the situation. So the uh, three different uh, well-researched academic approaches uh, differently, but all come to the same conclusion about what's going on. So this is the environment that we find ourselves in ministry. It's a challenging time. It's not just challenging because, because of COVID. It's challenging because all this preceded COVID. I've been asked the question numerous times this weekend, well, what, what after, what next? What when we, when we get vaccinated and we don't need face masks and will people, you know, I don't know the answer to all that. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. Predicting human behavior is difficult at best. But I do believe, as I said in the sermon today, in God the Father, in Jesus Christ the Son, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, a, little, a little theology, uh, some theology about the Holy Spirit. The process is not about programmatics and, pragmatics and programs and demographics and sociological stuff. It's not primarily about that. What we're about is a spiritual discernment process that you lead among yourselves. Yes, we can resource you and coach you and help you in that, like, like good interested brothers would, would be willing to do if they've found something that's been helpful to a lot of churches, we would provide that for you. But you're going to lead it. We're not going to lead it for you. Okay? Uh, the process is, is about a prayer. Uh, this, this thing is going to be undergirded with prayer. That's the foundational piece of what we're talking about. There will be somebody on that team that is primarily assigned to be a chairperson about prayer. Nancy on her team is going to have somebody who's all about prayer and fasting. You are so blessed here. A brother gave me Albert Lemon's book on prayer, his, his recent one, Worship with Fasting. 
man, you have that heritage here, so, so I'm thinking this ought to be like riding a bicycle. It ought to be second nature to you guys in this church. A prayerful process. You are so blessed to have that heritage and, and that experience here. And so I'm excited about that. And so we're going to trust God's spirit to work um, and, and God to bring about uh, his will in the life. Uh, calling is important, right? We believe God calls people. God has a call on your life. God has a call on the life of the Fourth Avenue Church. It doesn't exist only because it has a historical marker. It's been around since 1833. It exists to live out the mission of God in community for the sake of the world. And so how do we do that going forward in the next season of our life and ministry? That's what we would encourage you to think about and be prayerful about and, and work toward. We'll help you, but, but we're not going to do it for you. I just want to make that really, really, really clear. Um, I'm just going to kind of hurry through these. We also believe that God works through seasons. There are 40-day seasons in Scripture. There are 40-year seasons in Scripture. There are three-day seasons in Scripture, a lot of those. And so we want to encourage you to maximize this opportunity that you have during this time. You may not like it. You may not want to go through it. You may disagree with whatever about it. No, that all precedes me coming here today to tell you that, that, that you're in it. So let's maximize it. Let's, let's focus on what it means to be the people of God and discern God's will going forward. And I'll be prayerful. I'll commit to being prayerful. I have one of these little cards. I've already decided what I'm going to put on my little card, and that is I'm praying for the Fourth Avenue Church of Christ. And I'll commit to you. This may be the last time you see me. I won't be your regular interim preacher. But I'll commit to you to being prayerful for you. I give you my word on that. We have a group that meets on Zoom every Thursday, and that's what we do. The church, we're usually working with six or seven churches at a time, and, that, and that's what we do. We're praying for those people. It would be hypocritical if we encourage people toward a prayerful discernment process and we ourselves didn't participate with them. So we want to do that with you. Um, uh, a theology of what it means to be on mission and on point for the world. If you don't know who you are, you can't know who you need or what you need to do. Sometimes we say, well, let's just go to a preacher and then we'll just kind of reorient our ministry around that preacher. And some places do that and some people do that. It's proven not to be the most effective way. Instead, look, to, look at yourselves, look at your community, look at how God's shaped you in the past. What are those good instincts and good DNA? You've got almost 200 years of, of, of stream of DNA behind you, spiritual DNA, spiritual instincts that are built into what it means to be the people of God at Fourth Avenue. Let's maximize those good things. We're not superimposing something from the outside on you to do that. I mean, if that's what you're thinking, you're really not understanding what I'm talking about. Not at all. So uh, we want to, you to think about who you are and who God's calling you to be. And then you can think about who do you need to partner with going forward. And sometimes we don't do it that way. And, and what we found is this, is this is a much more effective way, and much more true to who you are as a church. Okay. Um, a theology of communal discernment. This is what I wrote my, my doctoral dissertation on, uh, spiritual discernment and the selection of church leaders. Because you see, the early church made decisions. Read the first 15 or 16 chapters of the book of Acts. They, they made decisions and they got together and they sorted things out and they did it in community. And what I did is I went back and researched and studied in a very detailed kind of way and, and described those decisions and, and the atmospheric conditions of the early church and how they made those decisions and how they sought the Spirit of God and how they dealt with Scripture and how they appreciated and stood up on the shoulders of those who went before them 
looked at their history and, and sought how they were to be God's people and be a light to the world as the Holy Spirit came upon them. And, and they were witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All right. And I'm just dumb enough to still believe that's kind of what God wants us to still do. I really, really am. And so, um, how, do you, how do you figure that out? How do you do that? Um, I think it's, uh, it's really important to notice whenever Paul and Barnabas and others get sent out on missionary journeys, one of the things they do is they're, they're seeking God's spirit. They lay their hands upon them. They ordain them. They appoint them for this mission, part of the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And Paul's going to go to the ends of the earth, sort of the Roman Empire at that time, Asia Minor, Turkey, what we call it now, Iconia, Lister, Derby, you know the missionary journeys of Paul, right? And so Paul's getting sent off for that. And what's really interesting to me is that, is that the spiritual discernment process for launching Paul and Barnabas is exactly what Paul and Barnabas do when they go to Iconium, Lister, Derby, and other places. They are appointing elders. They are putting leaders in place. They are launching ministries in those new church plants. And they're doing it in the same way that they were sent. And so I read that and I thought, you know what? The way we make decisions and the way we select leaders greatly influences how those leaders function. It's true for putting groups of elders together. It's true for, for finding a, a ministry partner to work with us. How they're selected and the process we go through is influential on how they will function into the future. And we can either do it in political kinds of ways or we can do it in spiritually discerning kinds of ways. I want to challenge you. I'm from Texas, so I'll double dog dare you to do it in a spiritually discerning way. That's worth giving my life and my time and my effort and time away from Cheryl uh, to do with churches. It really, really is. Um, uh, another really in, important thing, I think it's interesting, that last scripture that you see up there from Acts chapter 15, they have this little meeting in Jerusalem. You remember the meeting? The, the meetings are basically how Jewish do Gentile converts need to become. So they've been baptized, but hey, you know, we, we, need, to, we need to do some other things. Do we need to circumcise all these people? Do we, what about meat and blood? What are we going to do about that? So they have to have this little, little convening, a meeting in Jerusalem, and they're trying to figure out how Jewish to Gentile converts need to become. And, and there's, they bring up scripture. That's one of those things that you're going to be studying during this time. The preaching themes will be kind of tied to where you are and your group is in the process. David will be coordinating that with your, your folks and a, and a preaching partner from among you here, and your worship ministry and your team. Um, they bring up history. Right? And so one of the things we're going to encourage you to do is, is to look at your history a little bit and build on the good strengths of your history. That doesn't mean you have to go back and do everything the same way they did it back in 19-whenever. Okay? But it does mean that those impulses for effective outreach and evangelism and spiritual growth and formation in the body of Christ, those same impulses and instincts can be tapped again. They're still there. So we want to encourage you in those ways. And so they get together, and there's some wonderful things said in that meeting in Acts 15. I mean, I mean, one of the great things that said, James speaks up and says, let's not make it hard on the Gentiles who are turning to Christ. Man, that's important. Let's don't make it hard on people that want to get to Christ. Let's don't set up a bunch of hoops for them to jump through that are not related to coming to Christ. You recognize that, right? Sometimes we have traditionalism that, that comes up. Yaroslav Pelikan said, uh, Tradition is the living faith of those who have passed on, maybe have died. Tradition is the living faith of those who have gone on. But traditionalism is the dead faith of those who are still alive. So build on that good tradition. 
without it becoming traditionalism. I think Pelican was onto something there. Um, another thing that's said there is, is we need to document this and write this down. We need to, we need to spend some time with clarity in communication. And uh, frankly, that's something I challenged your shepherds in your group yesterday with was clarity toward communication. Uh, it's just apparent to me from my interaction that that that, that can be, uh, that's a growth area for you guys. And so I've challenged uh, those guys to, to be to be more clear in communication. And, uh, and hopefully after this weekend, there's some better understandings and it, this will help the process. Uh, even though we probably don't have time for a bunch of q and I'll be available for afterwards and I'll stay as long. I just have to get on, a, get on an airplane this afternoon, so I'll stay as long as I possibly can. I'll, I won't even eat lunch. I'll stay as long as I possibly can up here and one-on-one answer any question you might have. You can also send an email uh, to your church office, to Chris, to um, Nancy, to Laurie, who's an angel, by the way. I told the group Friday and Saturday that we have an A&M university not far from us, and they clone things there, and you need to send her to A&M and get her cloned, and then I'll hire the other one. <laughs> Laurie was awesome, very helpful for me, along with Gary and, and your whole ministry team. Good folks, good folks. Um, so um, they were able to, to write some things down and clearly communicate and have a record of, of the, what they agreed upon because through time we forget, you know, it just makes sense. And that's what they did in Acts 15. And the other thing that's said there that's a really key phrase is they were able to say, it seems good to us. No, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Wouldn't you like for all church interactions, all church responses, all church decisions to be able to be said with, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. You see, they sought the will of God. They were so attuned and aligned with who God is and what God's doing in the world that they could clearly say, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And you say, well, Doug, that was them, right? There's apostles and stuff like that today. And this is now. I believe what God has done, God can do. And I believe God that can still lead and guide his people. He's, he's given us his holy word inspired by, by God's Holy Spirit. And God's Holy Spirit indwells us too, not just existing in the word, but existing in us as we are transformed increasingly, 2 Corinthians 3, into the likeness of Jesus Christ, into the world, to be agents of reconciliation, to make a difference in the world. So we've got God's Holy Spirit in the word and in us. And God wants, and that's not just us personally, that's us collectively too. Peter makes that very, very clear, and Paul does as well. So, I would love for you guys to be able to say, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. You would not say something like, it seems good to IMP and to us, because guess what? We're not picking your preacher. We're just coaching and working with your team as they lead a process. It's going to be your folks leading that process. All right, um, so some basics here. The nature of interim work. A long time ago, we did, um, we did interim ministry, and it was basically like, well, we've had a minister for a long time. We're going to need another one. And so we had a big church. We brought in a big name, semi-retired preacher, and he preached for a little bit. And then we kind of went through a process. Usually the process was more like a beauty contest. Uh, we put an ad in lots of different papers and on certain websites, and we got a bunch of resumes, and we kind of sorted through those. We made a few phone calls, picked out our top three, and then we did a beauty contest. And so we brought out a preacher, and he'd stroll out, and he'd bring his best message, right? It's almost like Miss America or something going on. He has 2.1 kids, and 
he'd tell a cute story about them. His wife is as nervous as can be, but looking as best as she can, and he brings his very best sermon, right? No guy brings his worst sermon on a day like that. And then um, people in the pews are kind of like gymnastics judges in the, in the uh, Olympics, and they're thinking 7.4, the one from Slovenia, 6.2. Back in the day, the East German, 2.1. American, 10, uh, you know, and, and we didn't do that maybe literally, but mentally and figuratively, maybe we were doing that. Uh, we're, not, we're not doing that kind of process. And then next week we'd bring another in and we would average the, the scores and we would, you know, kind of do this with the church and talk to the influencers, you know, those ones that we got to make sure are happy about things going on. And then we would kind of pick our preacher and go from there. Okay, that God, has God worked through that? Well, yeah, God works through imperfect human processes all the time. God works through me, and I'm very imperfect. Ask Cheryl and my daughters and my dog. They know. And God can work through that. But, but, but there's spiritual discernment, and we have the book of Acts, and we have this way that God has worked through people. Let's maximize that during this season. Uh, so what we're talking about are, are three basic things that we're going to be uh, working with you on. One is a consistent pulpit presence. David will be, after the first of the year, here about three Sundays a month. And he'll, he'll be bringing gospeled biblical messages that are kind of correlated with where you are in the search process. He's spoken here before. He's preached here before. Many of you know David. Uh, great reputation. Done some wonderful things with a lot of churches. I was on a video conference yesterday with a church that's saying, hey, can we get David to come be our interim minister? After the first year, and I said, no, no, can't, can't get him right now, maybe later, but not right now. He'll move on in, in a certain period of time, a different season, maybe you can get him then. Uh, consulting relationships, so, so under the, the helpful tutelage of Lynn Anderson and Grady King and John Mulliken, we're a part of Hope Network, we, we do consulting with churches and work with churches and help them through a variety of things. Uh, we sometimes wish they'd call us earlier before they get themselves into certain situations, but we're, we try to help wherever we can, wherever we're invited. We don't force ourselves on anyone. We're invited in. We don't do a lot of advertising or anything like out there, but, but we do get a lot of regular calls, and so we try to help where we can. We've given parts of our lives uh, to this ministry to help, and so uh, we want to be helpful as best we can. So consistent pulpit presence, consulting relationship, and a search process guidelines, some principles that are based on spiritual discernment. And we'll talk about some of those as we go through. I've got about 15 minutes. Is that right? Some, give me a nod, somebody. 15 minutes or so? Okay. All right. I saw a couple of masks doing this. So Tony says that. All right. Uh, so some principles um, that we want to encourage you toward. I'll just put them all up there. And Whoa. Uh, all right. Uh, so we want to, to think about your church first before you start thinking about potential ministers. We're going to encourage you not to be scrolling through your mind right now who the next preacher at the Fourth Avenue Church needs to be. We want you to think about who you are and who God's calling you to be first before you do that. And I know that requires some patience and some maturity and some, some self-discipline to do that. But, but this is an opportunity to, to stretch some maturity, self-discipline muscles that maybe you haven't stretched recently. So this is an opportunity to do that. 
uh, you're going to be relying on a search team. So your shepherds are shepherding this process, and they will obviously have a, a shepherd liaison presence with your search team. But what they're going to do is they're going to focus on shepherding and prayer and their leadership as they, as they lead this church in, in whatever ways are appropriate during this season. And then they're going to be empowering Nancy and her team of good people from among you to lead this process. Um, David's not the leader. He's going to be a, a helpful coach who will be bringing a consistent preaching presence with you during this time. But Nancy's going to be leading this team, and she's got a lot of good, uh, good folks working with her. And so maybe you're on that team. Maybe, maybe you will be on that team. I don't know. Okay. I uh, met some of them, and there are certain key aspects and roles that, that we had to, to make sure were covered to be a part of that team. So it's a gifted group of people. Uh, they're going to be committing themselves to spiritual discipline, foundation of prayer and discernment during this time. That's how they're going to try to work through this process. Um, reliance on that team is important. It's, it, it also helps raise the leadership level of this church because this is not some, um, you know, the, 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 it's, it's all clothed in secrecy, totally behind closed doors. And then all of a sudden a name is wrote out and here's who it is. And the elders are the only ones that know who this guy. Okay, that's not really what we're doing here. We're encouraging this team to look out in their community, to look within in the congregation, to build on the history, uh, to make some reporting with you as a church along the way. There'll be opportunities for communication. You'll have to work closely with your elders and your staff on that, Nancy, in that group on communication, and you in the church, if you, if you are interested in things, have questions, Nancy's a good one to go to in that regard, has already been mentioned. And, and then, and then uh, you're learning about yourself, and, and then the elders are the selection team. They will, they will not have a preacher that the search team says, this is our guy, and the elders don't get a say. That's not it. The elders are the selection team, but that's different than the search team. So you've got a broad-based group of gifted leaders in this church that are the search team, but you have, you have the elders making the final decision there. So after the, after the search team goes through all this work, the elders are then going to be recipients of that work, and they're going to develop a relationship with that person that the search team believes is, is the one. And then they're going to go all in, and they're going to discern, is, is, that, is that the one? Most of the time it is, but, but they have the right to veto. They're the elders of this church. Most of the time, though, because it's a, a spiritual discernment process and what's gone through, and because they've had good communication with the team, usually by the time it gets to them, they know that we have, we have a very trustworthy person who's aligned with who we are and who God calls us to be. That alignment's very important. You want a partner in ministry that's going the same direction as your church. Very, very important. Uh, we're not interested in, in a, a thousand resumes. It, again, it's not monster.com. Um, what we are interested in are quality, a few quality folks to consider. Um, it's a very relational search process. We're, we're going to have people on that team in groups of three that go all in getting to know each of the persons that are recommended. And they'll get to know them. They'll develop a relationship with them. And we have, you know, just we have some suggested questions. So how you can develop a relationship with a minister. And as you begin to, you know, you know here are some questions that several churches have used and found helpful. You might have some others, and that's great. And here we go. We just want to help you, resource you as you go through this. So that's very important. And then they would make a, uh, we want to encourage them to come to a conclusion. They're not going to just say, well, here's our top four. Now, they might have a top four, yes, but we want them to work toward a conclusion of, of what they believe is, is the one to recommend. And there being communication with the elders as we go through this and, 
and hopefully they'll be able to, to, to settle among themselves on a, a recommended person. Now, how do, we, how do we get that recommended person? Are we going to put ads in the Christian Chronicle on the job board at uh, lectureships and the job board at Abilene Christian, Pepperdine, Harding, Lipscomb, Freed Hardeman, uh, Heritage, uh, Ohio Valley, Magno if I'm not mentioned your school or Oklahoma Christian, what are, okay, no. We're not doing that. We don't need 25 guys who need jobs. What we're going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to say, okay, Fourth Avenue elders, Fourth Avenue search team, Fourth Avenue members, who might be a good recommender? Somebody that that knows us as a church, and we're going to send them our congregational profile that we've discerned and developed after we've done some good hard work, after your team has looked at its community, after they've looked within an in-depth congregational survey, after they have, after they have uh, uh, talked to other people who call Jesus Lord in this area, after they've looked at their history, they're going to then say, okay, here's who we are as a church, and here's who we believe God's calling us to be as they brought clarity to their mission and vision focus and here's who we believe in the next season of the life of our congregation God is calling us to be. And so therefore, and based on input from you in that congregational survey, what kind of minister is most helpful for us as we go forward in the future? They're going to get everybody's input. And that's a, that's a survey that everybody needs to participate in. That first little survey we did is just a quick little dirty thing to kind of give us some indicators. It's to force some hard decisions. It's kind of like when you go to the doctor and, and, you, and you're, you're there for five minutes of the doctor and he takes your temperature and checks your heart rate, checks your saturations, listens while you breathe here and here, and uh, sends you down to the lab. They, the vampire takes a little bit of blood, and then they tell you, you're okay, we'll re-up your blood pressure medicine for another six months. Okay, just a real quick thing. That's what we were trying to do on the front end, just to kind of forcefully make you answer some hard, tough, difficult questions you don't like, just to kind of find out where this church is. No big deal. That was just kind of for my input on the, on the front end. And, uh, but, but you're going to have an in-depth um, congregational survey that's been used at a lot of churches, bigger and smaller than this one, been refined, and then we're going to allow your group then to refine that. So it won't go out until your group says, okay, this is the kind of things we need to know about our church. But there'll be questions on there about spiritual habits of your people, so your leaders will be able to learn more about the spiritual habits of your people than they've known before. They'll be able to uh, know about what they believe, the passions and the gifts that are untapped and need to go forward in this church. They'll, they'll find out about ministry opportunities that you would like to be involved in. They'll find out about qualities in a preacher that you, you believe prayerfully that, that are important for the next season of ministry. And they'll take that input. So they'll have input about who you are and who God's calling you to be. They'll have input about the kind of person that's going to be most suited to partner with you as you go through this next season. And so then when we talk to those people that you suggested, and we have some that we can suggest too around the country to help you get the word out really well, we're going to say, hey, uh, you know, um, Albert Lemons uh, prayed about this, and, and he said, you, you might be a good person in the brotherhood to, to recommend somebody. And so what uh, I'm going to do is I'm going to not ask you for a name now. I'm going to ask you to pray about this for a week. I'm going to email you. I'm going to send you a congregational profile based on a lot of work our people have done. And then I'm going to send you an ideal candidate profile based on who we believe our congregation says is who we need to be a part of this church and a partner with us. I want you to pray about that a week, and then I'll call you back. And, and don't give me, you know, five guys who just got fired or something like that. Give, prayerfully think about this. And, and if you have one or two people that you're aware of that you think fits who we are and who God's called us to be here in Franklin and Williamson County at 4th Avenue with our history and the impulses and the ministry and the instincts we have here, then we want to know that person's name. We want you to pray about it first, and, and we'd like to know that. So that's how we're going to work this.
okay? And you can certainly give input to who might be good recommenders for something like that, just as you'll be given input for how we discern who we are and who God's calling us to be. So that'll be the way we approach that. There are a lot of opportunities during this time. I've listed several of them up here. Um, yeah, I've got a little bit of time to do this. Uh, we're going to be, we're going to have time to celebrate what God has done. God's been at work in this church family. And I know some of you probably haven't felt like celebrating much recently. I mean, we're living in a pandemic and that just compl complicates everything right now. It's hard to, morale is tough, right? Because things are different. And, but like I told you in the sermon, um, this church survived 1918 when other people were still wearing masks, even in, in this area. Um, this church survived the Great Depression. This church survived World War I, World War II, and battles and conflicts and wars since then. And um, the gates of hell will not prevail. Gates of hell will not prevail. And, and so I know it's a tough time, and, and then you throw in a, a preacher search and circumstances surrounding that, uh, some of which you know more about than I do, and, or maybe not, you know. But you, you throw that in, and, and you just think, man, it's tough. Well, yeah, but guess what? Your forefathers and foremothers, they've endured tough times before. And God saw them through. And you're here today standing on the shoulders of that heritage of faith. The people that have blazed the trail on their knees for you. And so it's time to take up the mantle. I'll use language from Elijah and Elisha, the prophets. It's time to take up the mantle and, and be God's people going forward. Live prophetically into God's future here. I can't do a lot about yesterday, but I can do something about today and tomorrow. And I want to challenge you uh, to adopt that same spiritually discerning, forward-thinking mindset as well. It's a time to hear God's call on us. It's a time to bring clarity to who we are, our mission, who God's called us to be. It, it's a time to, to allow some people to, to, to rise in leadership. Nancy and her team are going to be a great group of folks to be, be leaders now and into the future of this church. It's a time for your shepherds to shepherd like they never have before. It's a time for your shepherds to pray like they've never prayed before. It's a time for them to be with you and available to you and communicating with you, maybe like they haven't been recently or before. They have that opportunity. Uh, every church has culture issues, things that are just kind of part and parcel to who we are at this place, right? Every church I've gone into had things that were unique to it, idiosyncrasies, if you will, of every group of people, like all families and all people have them. And we're family. We're family. And so, so we might need to deal with some of those things along the way. And so we want our, our people, like David is, is a consultant that's very equipped to be able, if you're a shepherd, say, hey, help us think through some of these things. I've already identified one thing you guys need to work on, that's communication. That's, that's hard. Communicating is hard. Ask my wife. I don't communicate very well with her. I, I got a text message this morning. She said, are you coming home tonight? <laughs> yeah. Did I not give you my flight schedule? And, uh, and, and do, I need to, do I need to think about dinner or anything like that? And I said, well, yeah. And she said, well, you might need to go through a drive-thru. <laughs> You know, and I don't communicate well in my own house sometimes. Uh, it's just tough in the body of Christ sometimes. So we need to work on culture issues, uh, personal issues, things that come up that we have going on. Uh, it's a time to focus on, on important things, things that matter. Focus on matters that matter. 
church systems. I have a degree in electrical engineering, worked for a nuclear power plant for six years, and, and I like systems. I like how things work together and run and how they link together and, and, and results that can happen when things are working well together. And churches are full of systems, kind of family system. It's much more complicated than electrical engineering and nuclear power, much more complicated. When I, when I quit my job as a nuclear is uh, uh, an engineer at a nuclear power plant, they came to me and said, you're leaving here to go to Abilene Christian to, to be a minister? That's so boring. And I thought, you're working at a nuclear power plant. You pull the boron rods out, the U-238, uh, U-235 enriched with U-238 heats up, it makes water, you run the water through a condenser, it makes steam, steam burns a turbine generator, it makes electricity, and it happens 99.99999% of the time, day after day after day after day. That's boring. But the body of Christ, God's people, I never have a boring day. And churches have systems, and so that's... That's important for us to look at those. And you know what? We need to listen to our neighbors around us. One of the worst things we can do is get her up on a group of leaders on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night in a non-smoke-filled room and, and, and say, what does this community need? Well, they don't have a clue, right? What they need to do is empower a group of people to go out and talk to the people in the community and talk to those you know, assistant principals at elementary schools and those school counselors at intermediate and high schools and, and to city council persons and to police chiefs and fire chiefs and say, if there's a church that was making a difference in this community in the name of Jesus, what would they do? What would they look like? How might they be? And take really good notes and then pray about it. And then compare that to a congregational survey that said, here are some gifts that we have and some passion that we have in this church. And then also go out and talk to some other people who call Jesus Lord in a kingdom assessment. Not, not so we'll adopt their doctrine or whatever, but if you consider somebody effectively living out a mission in this area in Williamson County or Franklin and they call Jesus Lord, not so you can become like them doctrinally, but just say, hey, what ministry are you involved in? What outreach are you doing in the name of Jesus Christ as Lord? And find out what they're doing. And one of the best examples I can give for this is, is a church that, that went out and they talked to people in their community. They found that there were three elementary, uh, elementary, junior high, and high school very close to their facility. And nobody was doing anything from a, a, a Jesus-oriented perspective to help those poor schools at all. And they were, they were tough schools. The state in which that, they existed had basically said, we're going to take over because your local district's not working well. And so then they did... They did uh, they, they did a community assessment and, dis, and discerned that. And so then they, they did a congregational assessment and they realized, you know what, we have a lot of retired educators here are telling us in this assessment, our members were asking them, they're telling us, you know, I'm a retired administrator, I'm a retired school, retired school teacher, I fed kids in the lunch line forever and I'd like to use some of those gifts. And they're beginning to say, oh, a need here, gifts that we have here. And then they went out and talked to those other churches, and no other churches were doing anything there. And that's a sweet spot for ministry. They learned from looking in their community. They learned from talking to other churches, and they learned from talking to their membership and hearing what, what would. And so that church went all in on schools, those three schools closest by there. After school tutoring, a chess club, a basketball thing that they had going with the police department in conjunction with that. Um, a, a backpack back to school thing, um, in-service uh, cookies in the, in the room in the name of Jesus uh, for the teachers and administrators, uh, supplying a, a, a motivational speaker to go in that had a Jesus slant to, to help encourage that 
faculty before school starts. I mean, just all kinds of things. Develop relationships with those counselors and those assistant principals. And they have, they have, they've literally led people to be in Jesus and more like Jesus because of that kind of an exercise. And so I don't know what it'll look like for you. Again, I'm not deciding that. David's not deciding that. You're deciding that. You're looking for there. Because am I picking your preacher? Am I telling you how you need to be? Are we going to be resourcing you and coaching you so that you can do this yourself? Okay, you getting an idea here? Am I communicating? It's a lot to cover. I'm not going to be able to get all this done, and I have about uh, time to quit. Can I lead a prayer over you? Holy God, thank you for this group of people that have interest in the body of Christ worldwide in the state of Tennessee, in the United States, in Williamson County, and in Franklin, here at 4th Avenue. Pray that your will would be done and your kingdom would come among them. Because you are king and nobody else is. Forgive us when we get confused about your kingship, Jesus Christ. And through you we pray right now and call your blessing upon these people. Amen.